I looked eye to eye and I saw more similarity in us than I saw difference. Mic check, mic check. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beats. I'm your host, Ross Martinez. In the hot seat this week, I have Kira Kyle, the prison program manager of the Five Ventures here in Illinois. Kira, we're going to talk all about this. So what is the Five Ventures? Okay, Defy Ventures is a program. Um, we're a nonprofit in uh, actually across the country, but we also are in Illinois, one of the states that we're in. Um, and in Illinois, we provide programming to people who are currently or have been incarcerated hmm. to help them start a business that might be a great avenue for them to have employment if they are facing challenges getting employment post release. Oh, so giving uh, them like hope and opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and it's um, it's bigger than just preparation for um, starting a business. The programs, I actually teach one of our programs at Kiwani, which is Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center. That's in Kiwani, Illinois, about an hour away. Interestingly, a lot of facilities are about an hour away from Peoria. So <laughs> that is super convenient because there are a lot of places I can get to and um, that we can potentially do programming at in the future. So Peoria is like kind of like the central hub for you to kind of venture out. It ah. is. It is. So I venture out. That's right. Very good. <laughs> so we teach a program. It's an eight-month program. And um, I just had 39 students that graduated from Kiwani two weeks ago. Today. Oh, yeah. The picture you just showed me. Was yeah. that them? That's right. Yeah. Nice. 30, 39 guys. And then we also do programming in Pontiac at Pontiac Correctional Center. And we had 43 graduates from our program in February there. And uh, that was the first class to graduate from Pontiac. And oh, congratulations. Then, thank you. Yeah, it was very exciting. The biggest class that we've had graduate so far in Illinois. And then um, Logan, the women's prison, it's in um, Lincoln, Illinois. It's about 45 oh, minutes Oh, so you from do here. both, men and female. Yeah, we do. We, we would like to program for as many people as possible. And if people are not at a facility where our programming exists, when they come home, they can still connect with Defy Ventures and take our programming on the outside. Where can they get a hold of you? Uh, DefyVentures.org is a great place to go and find out more about our programs across the country. And then um, if you reach out to our organization nationally, they will connect you with the state that is closest to you, has the most programming Mm. close to you. So they would connect you with myself. And um, right now we are just a staff of three people in Illinois, full-time people. We have some other people that work part-time doing the teaching of the program. But um, my boss, Melissa O'Dell, is the executive director. And then Chris Harrison handles um, career and reentry and also our um, entrepreneurship pathway post-release. And he is formerly incarcerated, and he does just an amazing job in his role teaching people how to start their businesses, like continue that process once they go home. Isn't that amazing that you have someone who's reformed and able to just show the beauty of the process of it as the head of it like hey it's possible my dude it's amazing it's a huge asset for the guys at at kiwani for example he comes and does the programming with us when we have an event oh he's hands-on yeah he is so just just during our events we have volunteers come in and um, help us with our events and give business mentorship and coaching to people who are there and Chris comes in and he also then gets to share. He can relate. Right. So the guys can ask him questions and he can share from his own personal story, which is profound because you really want to talk to somebody that knows where you've been. Yeah. And so I consider that to be a huge asset. And we have um, hired people that have taken our program. Chris did not take our program on the inside. Um, he 
he was involved in a different program at a different facility. But we do have people across the country who have taken our programming and then um, came to the place where we hired them later on. So, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's it's you did something great for me. Let me use the skill sets you provided me with to and then in turn provide for somebody else. And yeah, and they're amazing people. I think that's the thing. <laughs> we have this concept around who's in prison. People in prison are the people who are doing the bad things. They're the bad people. But that's mm-hmm. really not right. People in prison, people are making mistakes everywhere, right? So people who are incarcerated are just people who are um, often known for the worst thing that they ever did. But in many cases, they just lacked the opportunities and the resources that the rest of us had to be able to make a different choice. Yeah, like life is um, a collection of errors and recalibrations. It is for all of us. A lot of us have the opportunity to recalibrate on the fly. That's right. But sometimes in a moment of lapse of judgment or however you like to describe it, you know, consequences could be a little more severe for others. Yeah. One of the amazing things about Defy Ventures is when we do bring volunteers into our events, um, it's an opportunity to kind of build like common ground, build transparency, build um, authenticity with one another to be vulnerable in that space together and to get to know where everyone is coming from. And the thing that you start to discover really quickly is the difference in um, opportunities and the difference in life experiences that is very characteristic. Um, It's common to grow up in poverty and it's common to have witnessed acts of violence at a young age. It's common to have been surrounded um, with an environment of illegal activity that I think it's easy to think we wouldn't have made the choices that somebody else made. But if we were in those situations, can we really say that's true? Oh, yeah. it's yeah. Nobody understands their flight or flight freak um, action or course of action until they're put in that moment. Exactly. And yeah. I feel like if we have more empathy and sympathy for a human being who may have not had the right tools to make a proper judgment that we think we could. It's easy to be watching reality TV like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Right. But you just did that last Saturday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so with the five ventures here in Illinois, um, one of the programs that my boss, Scott Willie told me about was the um, Shark Tank thing. Yeah. But that's only one aspect of it. Can you it tell is. me a little bit more about that? It is. So we conclude every cohort that we do inside, we conclude with a business pitch competition that is a Shark Tank style event. Oh, and that's so, so cool. Yeah. Wait, who's, who's, the, who's the mean one? <laughs> <laughs> we try. We try to encourage nobody to be mean, but I guess that depends on where you're sitting and whether how you're doing in the competition as to how you might feel about that. But we, um, a big part of Defy Ventures that sets us apart from some other um, programming that does exist in some places is that we bring business people in from the community. And so we have volunteers, um, volunteer business executives, some of them um, run their own company, some of them just manage something in their company, some of them have launched businesses the same way we're trying to encourage our EITs to do. We call them EITs. That means entrepreneurs in training. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) So, yeah. So we uh, we bring in these volunteers who have all of this business expertise um, or maybe even just have something specialized that they're really good at in their company and they are willing to come and check out the situation and see, you know, whether they can learn anything from it. Hmm. And so the first time you you come to one of these events, you might be nervous. Like it's pretty normal for someone who comes into prison for the first time to be like, I don't know what to expect. I don't, I don't know if I'm really going to be able to do this well. I don't know how I'm going to feel. 
And that's actually kind of a beautiful thing because our entrepreneurs in training are also nervous when they come to these events. They don't know what to expect. Ooh, they don't so? know, like, uh, like how, how are these people going to look at me and um, what are they going to think about me? I mean, obviously, I'm in prison. They don't know why, but they know that this is where I am. So how does that make them feel? Huh. Um, will they be comfortable talking to me? Will they be comfortable sitting next to me? And uh, what everyone learns in the process is how much we have in common, despite all the differences in maybe our childhoods, in our uh, communities where we come from, um, and, and not always differences in those things. But despite the differences in us, there is so much that we still have in common as human beings. And they, they both of the students in our program and the volunteers coming in experience what usually uh, seems to feel, it certainly does to me, but I think it does to everyone that gets an opportunity to be there, like this amazing life-changing experience where they walk away understanding things from a different point of view that they didn't have. Our mm. students walk away going, wow, these people really, they looked me in the eye, they shook my hand, they listened to what I had to say, they offered words of encouragement, they validated me in numerous ways during this day, and I am forever different because of it. And our volunteers come in and they say, wow, I like the people I met today. They had something meaningful to give me. I'm going home with more resources and more insight and more compassion and with my eyes wider open. And I can see how it's really important that we give people who are incarcerated educational opportunities because they have so much to offer. They just need the, the education, the resources, the training to be able to put that into action when they come back home because they don't want to be there. They want to make a different choice. Of course not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's an old saying that says um, the two richest places on this earth are a graveyard and a prison, mm -hmm. untapped potential. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with what you're doing at the Five Ventures while trying, not trying, but instilling humanity and hope into individuals who may have not had that growing up, may have not had that while they were incarcerated, that you bring community members in that are business people that are trying to pour back in the community and teaching them, hey, that's a great idea, but what if you think about it this way? Yeah. It's like a collaborative environment. Yeah. So what are some beautiful things you've seen in these moments? Well... One of the things I will say is I have a unique opportunity at Kiwani. A lot of my students have been incarcerated for 20 years or more. In that time, um, at some point along that path, maybe not right away. In fact, many of them say that it takes a while for them to get to that point. And what a while is is different for each one. But at some point in that journey, they decided they wanted something radically different. And they started working on themselves. Hmm. They started um, looking at themselves, trying to understand themselves. Um, they maybe had access to programming, whatever they could take advantage of, they took advantage of it and they started making changes in how they were living. And that can connect. Usually I, from my view, a lot of times it connects to different journeys, sometimes a faith journey, often a faith journey, also often a, um, a journey in education opportunities, whatever they can take advantage of. So, um, as they, they might get their GED. Uh, they might have an opportunity to help build a house for Habitat for Humanity. I don't even know exactly how that happens, but I've had several students that have helped build numerous houses with really? Habitat. Yeah, um, huh. They might work um, with those who are dying. Some go and do hospice care in the prison, something I'd never thought about, what it would be like to die while incarcerated. And there are students that I've had that have spent years of their time providing hospice care to other people who are incarcerated who are dying. Huh. 
<laughs> and so they gain these experiences that start to really transform them. And by the time they get into the class that I teach with the five ventures at Kiwani, they are radically different people than the person who entered the system. And um, like, I would say that generally the best people I know are people who either are in or have been in prison because the work that they decide to do under those circumstances, each of us can face challenges in our life, but those challenges may or may not lead us to a place where we are willing to do the hard work to refine ourselves. And there's a lot of ways to dodge that, you know, to ignore it, to pretend it's not there, the things we need to work on. But the, the students in our classes, generally, they've reached that point and they've done the hard work. So they're amazing people, even before they start taking the class. Who are some individuals that you met, if you can speak about it, that have inspired you to have this train of logic? Um... <laughs> Uh, it's funny because I it's, it's impossible to pick one or even two or three. It, that feels challenging because really they all are offering something beautiful. So um, let me talk about James. James just pitched a business around shoe cleaning. And so he um, he created his pitch all about a business he wants to start. He talked a little bit about his pat journey. Pending, pat and pending. Patent pending. Don't let nobody steal this idea. (laughs) (laughs) He'll appreciate that. Actually, though, I will say the great thing about the businesses that we encourage our students to develop is that we encourage them to develop something that um, anyone could really do. But it's what they bring to it. It's really about what you bring to it as an entrepreneur, your unique perspective, the unique way you're understanding the problem and understanding your target customer Hmm. and finding a way to be different than the competition. And in many businesses, that's something anyone can do, right? Um, So the fact that Pizza Hut and Domino's are already making pizza doesn't mean I can't create my own pizza. I had one student that is working on um, creating pizza for people who don't eat pork, whether that's uh, because they're Jewish, because they're Muslim, or just because they want to have a healthier pizza and they're not eating pork products, and he wants to really focus on that. Hmm. But back to James. James um, grew up with, uh, his mom had very little money, and so he said he had, uh, I think he said he had three outfits that he switched back and forth between to go to school. And, um, it, you know, it's hard. That's a hard life when you uh, don't have food on your table or you don't have clothing to wear. But he said the one thing he had, he had a pair of Payless tennis shoes, and he said he kept those uber clean, like all the time. Like that was his focus. He kept those babies clean because no matter what else was going on with his wardrobe, he wanted those shoes to Mm -hmm. shine. And um, as a result, he started cleaning shoes for people. I don't know if he did this before he was incarcerated, but definitely since he's been on the inside, he will clean shoes for people and can bring a pair of tennis shoes back to life that, you know, you think isn't worth anything anymore. Well, with the amount of money that some people spend on tennis shoes, and I, I will confess, I'm not a shoe person, so this is not me. But he can attacked. make. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> he can make your shoes look amazing. Hmm. Uh, but the beauty was not even just his business idea; it was the way he presented it. So he had a he has a gift, and I didn't even know till he started pitching his business for um, speaking and for bringing rhyme and rhythm into and it wasn't a rap but it was something maybe um that had the the same beauty of of art poetry. and it was poetry it was beautiful and so every time his his pitch was too long so he had to we only have three minutes to give your business pitch so he had to shorten it every time he had to shorten it he had to really refine because he had to create the rhythm all over again but <laughs> still tell the story it yeah. was amazing 
um, uh, another guy, Jamie, he pitched a business around um, creating greeting cards. Uh, you might imagine, um, possibly, uh, but I'll tell you if you don't know, that the commissary that sells things that people maybe need from one week to the next um, sells greeting cards that are way below par. <laughs> really? they, they're not relatable, and they're usually the same ones that are available over and over again. And so when guys want to send, you know, who buys greeting cards anymore? Well, people who are incarcerated buy greeting cards because that's what they have access to, to send home, to tell someone they love them and they appreciate them. And so uh, one of the guys, there's some amazing artists um, on the inside and Jamie creates beautiful artwork for cards. And so he has guys who will, you know, have him make a card when they need to send one home. And so his business idea was around that. Um, so many, actually, so many amazing ideas, but it's not, ne- not necessarily, as I said, it's not always about creating an idea. Well, it's not usually about creating an idea no one else has created. It's about um, connecting on a really personal level with your mission and your vision and understanding your target market and creating something that's going to meet the need in a unique way. So, so how was this program began? Or what was the inception of making this a thing for those incarcerated to be like, hey, this is an amazing opportunity to help them improve yeah. and give hope. Yeah. So 2010 was when Defy Ventures was started, and it was started in, I think, both New York and California. Mm. And our biggest programming, the most program that we do now, the most facilities that we're in is in Southern California. So that's our largest area. But then it gradually has spread to some other states. So we are also in, obviously, Illinois, um, Wisconsin, Washington State. And um, then there's a group that's in, it's we call it Tri-State, but it's in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Hmm. We're also getting ready to start some programming in Pennsylvania. And so, well, and hopefully, awesome. I mean, it'll just go more places yeah. because the opportunity, it's not what we teach, even though the focus is getting to this business pitch at the Shark Tank competition at the end, that they have to do that. Some of them at, towards like book four, we have four books that we teach. Some of them say, do I have to do it? And they're like, yeah, you got to do it to graduate. <laughs> you have to pitch. No matter how nervous you are, no matter how uncomfortable that makes you, you have to do your business pitch. So that last book is all focused on let's get our, let's get everybody ready. Let's practice. Let's and and there's so much beauty in seeing them get to that point where they're ready on pitch day to do what they thought might have been impossible for them to do. It's, it's a great thing. But we're not just teaching entrepreneurship skills. We're really teaching about um, personal development and a job preparation for reentry. And so it, the program is about all three. Hmm. So we talked about the last book. What are the other ones? Okay, so the first book is pretty focused on, it, it talks a little bit about starting to think about your business idea. and um, But mostly it's really focused on our thinking and our thinking patterns, um, some of which can be impacted by trauma, but others are just a natural um, fact of being a human being and, and having experiences throughout the course of our lives, we can start to do something. We talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset. So fixed mindset is when you can only see one thing happening. And growth mindset is when you start to see the possibilities. Um, and so those are some of the ideas that we talk about as we go through. We talk about resilience, the ability to um, not be thrown off balance as much by not knowing what's ahead. The uncertainty that's in front of you. Can you can you believe that it's still possible to succeed and not be completely destroyed by not knowing exactly what's going to happen? Hmm. Which is important not only to somebody who's incarcerated and has very little um, power over their surroundings and their situation, 
But it's important for all of us to learn to pivot and adjust when life takes a turn that we don't expect oh, and aren't prepared for, right? And yeah. so creating that thinking is not only makes us better people, but it also makes us better entrepreneurs. So yeah. the two go hand in hand. That, so that's the first book. That's the first it's book. It's helping to instill the foundation of not just hope, but fortitude. Yeah. For, that's a great word. Fortitude. That's mm. right. So that's mostly book one. Um, and then book two is a little bit more on the business. They do a little bit more on their business idea, thinking through, asking questions. Um, it's, you know, it's limited who they can ask, right? So if they can call home and ask family or friends questions about, do you think this business idea is plausible? What do you think about the problem that I think exists? Do you think this is going to solve it? What, you know, getting feedback, but they also have to, just really ask each other because that's who they're with. They're with also other people in the review. class. Yeah. So they get feedback from their peers on their business idea and the problem. It all starts with a problem, um, which is interesting. The most challenging thing, honestly, and it's not just for them, but it's for anyone who's starting a business is not to come into entrepreneurship with an idea of something you think is fun to do and you want to do it as a business. It's to really recognize, is there a problem that someone's going to pay me to solve? And so we're trying to help them look for that, not just the first thing that they think about doing because it sounds like a fun or easy way to make money. So fortitude leads to peer review and also um, just acceptance of, of feedback. It does, oh, yeah, feedback, right? It's hard to get feedback, especially yeah. when that feedback says, mm, you're maybe not on the right path or I don't really understand what you're saying or I don't really understand the problem or understand mm -hmm. your business idea. And yeah. then especially if this is like you're putting your all into it, so then you're yes. having other people, for lack of a better word, shit on it. You're like, ah, yeah. It can it can make you feel away. It, it can definitely make you feel away. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's learning to help each other move past those feelings and keep pushing pushing forward. And again, <sighs> they will have to use that in every part of their life when reentry is challenging. It it can be overwhelming to try to figure out a place to live and get a job with all the obstacles and firing. Hiring, finding people who are interested in hiring um, those who have a record um, that is challenging and so the developing the skills around entrepreneurship is also developing the skills around successful reentry and that's what book two really talks about is getting a job um, everything from creating a, a resume uh, learning to talk this is maybe one of the most important things in book two learning to talk about their past incarceration and um, which they are still incarcerated at the time, but learning to prepare for an interview where you go in and what's the one question that everybody asks, tell me more about yourself. And if you've been incarcerated, that can be a scary moment because you might not know how or how much to talk about or if to talk about at all the fact that you've been incarcerated. Well, they ask you too. Do they, you have any felonies or warrants they, or anything? They're, yeah, so they're, I will say that the law there are some things that they can't, there's some things an employer can't ask, but ultimately if they do a background check, they're going to find out. And so it's um, telling our EITs, don't wait for that to happen. Don't wait for them to find out. You, you can tell the story yourself and create more credibility if you're willing to go there in the beginning. Like you just say, well, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. 
and talking about the mistake that they made, not in detail, but acknowledging that they've spent time incarcerated and then talking about, okay, but how did I use that time? What did I try to do differently? When did I turn a corner and what does that look like in my life? What have I accomplished since that time and how have I changed as a person and why am I somebody you can trust and put your faith in as an employee? In fact, I would say, why do I bring more to the table than the average person that you're interviewing because of the things that I've done and how much harder I'm going to work to prove to you what I have to offer. Teaching the elevator pitch. Yeah, it is. And it's it's scary. And so we we write it. They write it three times. They write the long version. Then they write the shorter version and the shorter version. And then they practice it when um, one of the events where volunteers come in. That's halfway through the program. We have volunteers come in and give them feedback on their personal statement, on their resume, and then on their business idea. Hmm. So, yeah. That's amazing. So it's... I like the psychological aspect of this, mm-hmm. where you're helping to instill not just the ability to dream for something, mm-hmm. learning how to chase it, but also learning how to accept your past yeah. and learning how to move past it, right. not just ruminating in, this is what happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to accept me. Mm-hmm. No, you made a mistake. Okay, let's figure out how to sell it. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how to make yourself investable. Yeah. Recognize the things that you bring, not the things that create the idea that you're a risk. So So book two, now book three. Book three. Book three is hardcore entrepreneurship. And so usually by the time we get to book three, they're like, oh, we're just really hungry for tell us the things that we need to know. And and book three, like really drives all of that home. I mean, it's only the beginning, to be honest, of all the things you need to learn as an entrepreneur. But it does give you both um, some of the main things that you need as you build your business pitch in book four. It helps you start talking about your target market more effectively, um, identifying your competition and deciding how you're going to be different from them. Um thinking about your mission, your vision, your values, and then doing some financial work around uh, coming up with a budget for your business, identifying the difference in the types of expenses that your business will have from startup to um, fixed to variable and all the stuff that that means. Um, we do a SWOT analysis. We do all kinds of businessy things that uh, they might not, if they were on the outside, they might not do all of this. If, unless they went to business school, they might not learn some of these things. Yeah, like SWAT. You, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I've started businesses and I never knew anything about a SWAT analysis. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the police department. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so they really do learn some key concepts that can help them develop their business. But it's just like a, a bird's eye view. It's just getting your feet wet. And then ultimately, all of that will continue as you start your business. But it starts to give them some more... Um, some more business concepts that you, you wouldn't learn outside of the classroom. So. so book one, you teach the foundation aspect of it, mm-hmm. giving them the preparation to start beginning the inception of an idea. Mm-hmm. Business or book two, you help them have peer review and learning how to take uh, critiques in positively. Book three, you're like, all right, now create it, <laughs> figure it out. And then book four, you're like, all right. Let's go. Yeah. Now we're like funnel it all down into a three minute. Tell tell me about your business idea and why I should invest in you. We have. So our EITs can win just like a Shark Tank competition. You can win money at the end. Oh. Um, Now they don't they don't get that money while they're on the inside. It's once they're released, they contact a and we'll write them a check. Um, And so the the 
big prize is if you are first place, you'll win $500 that you can <laughs> use to start your business. To yeah. be honest, it's really more um, money to help you reenter because the first thing you're going to do is reenter and everyone is going to need probably some help with funding to, yeah. to be able to pay the bills when they're first getting going as they get a job. But um, but it is an opportunity for them to practice a pitch that they can share in the future with an investor because we want to encourage our EITs to understand that there's there's different ways to go about financing your business. One is obviously going to be you're going to get a job, you're going to earn money, and then maybe do your business on the side initially, and the money that you're earning is going to help pay for the startup expenses. But also, you eventually may want to get a business loan to, to grow your business. And what does that look like, and how can you prepare for that? We talk about that in books three and four. Um, but then additionally, maybe you can find someone who really gets excited about your business idea and wants to help you establish something. Um, and so you could get a funder and um, an angel investor, lots of words that are out there for this kind of thing. And Defy Ventures actually is um, a company that not only do we teach, but we also have a fund that we build um, with donations because everything's donation based that can help that when they go home, they take another program called Accelerator on the outside. And then um, once they complete Accelerator, they do have the opportunity to pitch for up to $10,000 from Defy Ventures Fund. Now, not everybody that pitches gets money or gets $10,000, but it's an opportunity and they don't have to pay that money back, which makes it different from other opportunities, it's not other alone. investors. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's just it's a, a gift. Egg. Yeah. So, so that's, um, that's the big picture of where the pitch could be headed down the road, um, is bringing in funding for their business. But it's, a, it's a long road to get there. They have to have a viable business idea. They have to do a lot of hard work. They have to continue to put their shoulder to the plow long after the class is over. So it's not just they take the class and they get the funding. It's but not a handout. It's not, it's yeah. not a handout at all. But, um, for the top five, they do each take home a little bit of money based on their pitch. And so we had 39 guys that pitched two weeks ago and five of them um, once the release can contact Defy and find out about how to get their funding. Hmm. We also give all of our students who graduate from our program on the inside a Chromebook when they come home um, so that they can connect to the internet and start doing research and, and build email and send out resumes and all of that. This stuff. all sounds amazing. <laughs> like, I, I'm I just, so. you know, honestly, just as an individual, this sounds like an amazing organization that's trying to help individuals that are kind of lost in a way. Now, have you had any negative detractors or like, oh, why y'all doing that? You know, um, I think not everybody, certainly not everybody who works for the IDOC is going to <clears throat> see the value in these opportunities. Um, and that's not to say there are a lot of people um, that work for the state of Illinois who um uh, well, not only is it hard work, and not only are they also very trauma impacted. Working in um, a prison is is traumatic work, and they are experiencing trauma as well. Um, so, so that it deserves to be recognized, and so they face a lot of challenges just doing the job they do, and um, and doing it and maintaining mental health for their own mm -hmm. mental wellness and all of that. So that's a challenge, and it's something that deserves our compassion, and and they shouldn't be viewed as. Um, as the adversary. But that said, I mean, certainly people who've been incarcerated have sometimes experienced unfair and unreasonable treatment by those who were um, taking care of them. 
um, and, and a power of authority over them. And so there are there are those who work who work in the prison system that aren't sold on this being something that somebody deserves. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be somebody who's working for the IDOC. It can be just members of the community. I mean, you might hear about this programming and be like, but they did this thing. Like, why did they deserve that help? Why did they deserve it? Um, and so it, it takes, it usually takes seeing what we are doing over time for people, even people who might not support our our work initially to start to see how maybe this is important to do anyway. Yeah. And we do see those changes happen over time where maybe there would be a correctional officer that, um, you know, displays a certain amount of distaste for what we're doing. But then after being, you know, on the outside looking in for a certain amount of time starts to change their feelings about it because they can see that an opportunity is being created. And the fact is most people who are incarcerated are coming home at some point. Mm -hmm. And so to say that that's not our problem and we don't need to worry about that is really uninformed by the impact that it makes on our community, on our economy, um, and on just on so many factors. If we don't understand that setting people up to succeed is the best thing that we can do. Yes. Yeah. That now, it can be a different story later on. That question may kind of seem out of place, but it, it's used as a proponent to allow people to understand that it's not just the people in the program that are gaining something positive out of it. Not just you that's also in charge of the program, but others that see the program happening. That this is kind of a 360. Yeah. It's not, it's the community thing. Yeah. It's why I love... <clears throat> Um, I tell our students when they're getting nervous about the first time that they meet our volunteers coming in and they're nervous about their business pitches and they're nervous about earlier on, they're nervous about their resumes and what feedback they're going to get. And I tell them this is amazing opportunity for you, but it is actually an even more amazing opportunity for the people who are coming in because they can go back to their communities and they can talk about what they saw here today and how it changed their perspective. And they're just really, I think, is no better opportunity to change your view about what prisons are, who is there, and what we can do to change the way this plays out better than coming in. And yet it's yeah. not easy to go into a prison. I mean, it's it's a process. There's a lot of paperwork involved. And and then, um, and you know, finding the right people who feel like, okay, that's maybe something I'm willing to, to try. Uh, but if they talk to a friend who's been in, then they're going to be more open to it because they hear about all the amazing things that, that people have experienced through this program. So that is actually my favorite part of volunteers coming in is what it does to the community when the volunteers go home and mm. talk about it. So this podcast, The Community Beat, is used to find individuals that pour back into our community yeah. in, in vastly different ways, Yeah, uh, whether it's through entertainment or um, with our prison system, our children, just in every way. And I ask anybody in this hot seat this question, why? Uh, why? What got you involved with the five ventures and, and what pushes you forward and why? Because it's got to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So for me... Um, I think why I'm so passionate about what I just shared with the volunteers coming in. I was that person and it wasn't that long ago. It was 2017, um, sometime in the summer of 2017. So that's been, you know, six, seven years ago. I was um, given the opportunity. I worked for a radio station, a faith-based radio station here in Peoria. And um, our management decided that it would be a good idea to take one of the bands that played on our radio station and go into Logan, which is the women's facility. 
um, in Lincoln. And so they brought this idea to our staff meeting and I was the one, which I'm, I'm a pretty empathetic and compassionate person, but nonetheless, I was the one that said, do, are, do you really think that's a good idea? Like, do oh. should we really go? Like, are they what, are they going to want us you there? You had apprehension. Are we going to be safe? Yeah, I did. Um, single mom, four kids, and I thought, is this this does not sound a good idea. Now, this is part of the reason that happens, though. In my mind, prison was the place that I've seen on television and in the movies. And, uh, and this yeah. was long before some of the stuff that's out there now, like Breaking Bad. I mean, there really wasn't that much. It was more like Shawshank Redemption, right? Was Oz at, out at that point? I don't think so. But if it was, I hadn't seen it. No. Yeah. No, I watched <laughs> <laughs> So to me, to me, I, um, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. And, uh, and shared that pretty, pretty transparently that day at the meeting that I wasn't sure this was a great idea. Um, nonetheless, thankfully, nobody listened to me and uh, we moved forward. And um, I, I consider it just an amazing thing that we got permission from the IDOC to bring the band inside. That's a huge undertaking for the facility. They they have to bring, you know, a whole bunch of correctional officers together that day to be able to take care of this event. And it's a big job. Like it's asking a lot. Yeah. Um, and the people who work inside the IDOC are already taxed with lots of jobs. So it was a big ask. But they did it. They brought us in. And I don't know how many women were there that day, but hundreds of women were there. Um, it was a summer day. So it was outside on the lawn. Um, a local truck company brought a big rig and parked the bed so that the band could be up on top of it. And then all the women just sat on the grass around. And I'm a photographer. I had a photography studio before I went into radio. And so it was my job that day to take my camera and, and photograph. And we were all as a staff just kind of standing together. Um, of course, everyone, you know, uncertain, unsure. What do we do? How do we talk to people we've never met that, you know, we realize that their lives seem to be apparently quite different from our own. And um, and I thought, well, this isn't going to work like we can't just all stand together. So we had brought with us somebody who did prison ministry and she was walking through and saying hello to some of the women that came to her classes. And so she was saying hi. So I started following her and took my camera. And as I walked through this sea of women, um, I I started to hear the same question over and over again. And the question was, will you send this photo to my mom? Huh. And uh, that undid me. I thought all the things they could ask and all they want is for their mom to be able to see them. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to realize the separation they're experiencing. You start to feel it. You start to feel what it would be like not to be able to go home at the end of the day or the end of the year or even the end of the decade or maybe even before the end of your life. And, or in some um, cases, be able to talk to them. Yeah. So, right. So, um, so I spent the day getting to know, you know, not that much, but just getting to meet many, many women. I looked eye to eye and I saw more similarity in us than I saw difference. And I've, I've experienced trauma in my life. Most of it has been in adulthood. And so, um, I, at that point, knew enough to recognize that shared experience of, devastation that leads you to places you don't want to be or don't want to go, but you, you don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I didn't, and then I didn't want to go home. I wanted to stay there. Really? I wanted to stay there and continue to connect and learn more about the people there and find out what I hadn't known before I stepped foot into the prison, which is the people there mattered. The people there had potential. The people there cared. The people there wanted to be 
they wanted us there. They wanted to be known. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be acknowledged. They wanted to just be human and and say hello and listen to music. And um, <laughs> so I left that day and I couldn't wait till we went back. We didn't go back again till the next summer. We went back to Logan and then we went to another facility, a men's facility. And then the following year, we went to three facilities. So in the in the time that I worked for the radio station, it was six years. Um, and the last three years I was there, we went to five five different five or six different facilities in three years and i knew that that was the work i wanted to keep doing um you just felt that yeah that i just like i was explainable like this. passion right and i know that not everybody you know not all of our volunteers come to the facility and decide that they want to do this full time so i knew that that was probably differentiating something in me that meant i was probably supposed to be finding hmm. out like how do i do that start and, walking in your light yeah then the pandemic happened and the radio oh, station, yeah. yeah, the radio station that I'd worked for that I loved, um, it was bought out uh, by another organization. Uh, our station manager retired and um, and I was like, OK, like maybe it's time for me to do something different. I was kind of seeing that writing on the wall. And then my kids came home full time in March of 2020. And I knew that I needed to just be home. So or maybe it's April. So um so I stepped away from that job and in 2021, when I started to just look at what am I going to do next, I wasn't feeling like I was going back to the radio station. I felt like I wanted to look for something in this field. Um, but it wasn't easy. I mean, I, I wasn't sure how long that journey would be. Uh, I interviewed with Defy Ventures. They'd already picked who they were hiring, but she went ahead and threw me an interview just so she could get to know more about me. I volunteered for an event. And then two months later, they lost their facilitator their teacher at Kiwani and she called me and offered me the job and and that was it <laughs> so I started part-time and now I'm full-time and if I ever I, I can see myself staying with the five insurers forever but if I ever go anywhere else it will still be this work I'm I'm really certain of that so that one moment I, I think there's there's some serendipity in there Complete. Some divine intervention <laughs> yes that's how like, it feels you were the community member initially that's like oh Yes. I got kids at home. Is this safe? Yes. To in that moment, emotionally connecting with the individuals that were incarcerated. Yeah. And you found the beauty there and you're able to relate with them. Like, yeah. oh, there's I could do some good here. Yeah. Huh. And and I think it's it's I don't even want to act like it's just one sided because, yeah, I wanted to do something good to help. But also getting to know them did good for me. It changed me. It helped me grow. It helped me heal. And so some of it was even self-serving that I realized I would become a better person doing this work. I would become the person that I wanted to be more so, grow into that person more. So, Well, I think I feel like I'm walking the line I'm supposed to now mm -hmm. by doing stuff like this. It, yeah. it builds me as an individual. It is selfish in a way, but I feel like anytime you walk in your light... It's a it's a oh, duality. Yes, it's, it is. It's a reciprocal type of pouring in each other's you cup. You give and get at the same time. Well, because they say what real love is, is reciprocal pouring in each other's love cups, filling each other's mm -hmm. cup all the way. Mm -hmm. So as you're pouring into the community, the community's pouring back into you. That's it's right. It's very reciprocal. That's right. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So how do you feel now? How many years now, you said? it's. I've only been. So um, I, in fact, I'm just coming up on my birthday of joining the Defy team full time. So I've only been mm. full time for about a year. But I've been involved in the programming for about a year and a half i started volunteering about a year and a half ago and so um but yeah, working it's with been inmates a quick now i have yeah since 2019 2020 uh, 20 so yeah 2017 was when i first went to logan so that was and you haven't been burnt out yet 
Oh, no. No. The, the most fulfilling thing is teaching in the classroom and getting to know the students. It's like having kids, okay? So <laughs> I had my first, you know, I had my first baby and I didn't know if I'd be able to love my next babies as much. And I had twins and I loved them just as much. And I had a fourth child. I love that child just as much. You can't imagine as a parent when you have this ch- first child that you could ever love any child as much and your heart just grows. And that's how it is with, with this and teaching. I'm sure teachers will get this, but my first 17 students that graduated a year ago, I thought, I don't know if I could ever love a class of people as much as I love this class. Like, they're amazing, amazing people. And I just graduated another 13, 39 that I feel exactly the same way about. So, like, mm. the, the capacity, the capacity for your heart to grow and the capacity to love every experience all over again, it's it's amazing. Have you been able to still keep tabs on your first class? Yeah, that's a cool thing about Defy Ventures is we're an inside outside organization. Oh. So that means now it's not my full time job. It's my full time job to teach and manage the, the facility or the programs on the inside. And there's somebody else that does the outside programming. Um, my my uh, coworker, Chris. And then we're actually he also is the one who's primarily been interviewing them when they come home and helping them connect to various resources that they need. But we are getting ready to bring another full-time staff member on who will focus specifically on that, which will be great because a mm. year ago we had a few guys who were out who'd taken our programs. Now we have like 20 and in another year we could have like 60 people who are out. And mm. so, um, and our first woman is going to a transitional center in Chicago right, right around now. And so that's exciting. She's the first student that's graduated from a women's facility that is coming home. And so um, so that means that when they come home, they reach out to us. And even though I'm not the primary person that on ramps them into our post release system, I still can, you know, communicate with them. So I might um, send an email or I might send a text on a given day to one of our students who's come home and just say, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? And so, yeah, it's a really beautiful thing um, to keep in to be able to keep in contact and continue to see. Uh, what is happening in their lives and how they're moving forward. See, I'm a body language person. Yeah. And this entire time I see you smiling. <laughs> you got that like it, it's it sounds and it looks like you're speaking about something or someone that you love in that I kind do. Of context. I do. I do love them. Um, my So Demetrius, for example, he came home last summer. He really struggled. He was homeless for a for a little bit mm. because he lived with his sister for a while. And then I think he slept on a friend's couch and then he needed to take a job. There was no one he knew nearby. He didn't have the money or couldn't get approved for housing. So he had to live in a shelter while working at a meat factory. But his goal was to get his CDL. He wants to start a trucking company and employ other formerly incarcerated people eventually. So oh, yeah. he just, um, there's something that is offered at Illinois Central College. It's also at Heartland Community College in Bloomington, which is where he took it. But it's, they offer something called the um, uh, Illinois Equity, Equity Work. Force Coalition, something like that, gives opportunities to people who are in a disadvantaged situation, which includes someone who's been incarcerated. So he could take the class for free, and now he can start driving for a truck company. Just got a CDL after taking the class. So that's like, that's like angels singing to me. Like I just to see the move, the moving forward. Like the, he's doing yeah. it. He's he's making it happen. Like there are real challenges that happen. There were ones that happened for him. But but if we if we can partner with people and if we can be there as a system of support for them, in addition to whatever loved ones they have on the outside that might be giving them support as well, it really creates better chances for success and mm-hmm. less loneliness, which 
is a thing for all of us, right? We're all human. We all need companionship. So it's, it's amazing to see someone who was on the inside. No matter through what happens, he mm-hmm. defies. <laughs> Defy the odds. Yeah, that's what it says on my sleeve. Defy the odds. That's one that. of our one of our slogans. And, I, I like I to mean, slip a little Easter eggs in the conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say one more thing too. Um, one of our students that came home last May, his name is um, Nick Creighton, and he was part of something that the PBS station in Chicago has been doing the last couple of years, Hmm. WTTW. They have um, an opportunity to interview people who are coming home. So they did five different interviews. And Nick, who took our Defy class last year and graduated, uh, is one of the people that they did a little mini documentary. And so you can you can find that online and watch and and hear his story. You can hear all five stories from WTTW and what what it looks like for someone coming home. It's another way to gain some insight and some empathy and figure out, like, how can I be a part of helping people have more stories like that? And YouTube or on their website? Um, Okay, it's on their website. I believe it is um, WTTW. I can't remember if that's a dot. It's probably dot org um, slash firsthand. F I R S T H A N D. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> so firsthand is um, the the collection of stories about people coming home. Life after prison, yeah. Yeah. If you type and, in WTTW firsthand, it's the first thing you pop. Okay, up. good. And probably maybe if you type it, type in Nick or Nicholas Creighton, but he is um, a fantastic person doing great things. Already pouring back into the community uh, that he came from and. Um, and still, but still looking for a job because that's the journey, right? You can, you can have made profound change, and you can have the ability to impact a lot of people, and it can still be challenging to get a job. So that's huh. the reality. Two questions before we end. Yeah. One's business, and one's personal. Okay. Business. Yeah. Again, where if anyone that wants to get involved with the Five Ventures, uh, whether they want to be a business or come in to review resumes, X, Y, Z. Yeah. How can they get a hold of you? Okay, so defyventures.org um, is a good place to find me, uh, all of us, and find out more about what you can do. Uh, you could also email me. My email is kkyle at defyventures.org. And so you could shoot me an email and I could let you know more about it. We would love to talk to you about various opportunities. Just tell you more about the program. I mean, you don't have to come inside, but I'm telling you, if you do it, I don't think you could possibly regret it. Nice. <laughs> all right. Now, personal. Anybody that sits in the seat, I always like to ask them. At the end, what's the main takeaway you want for people to get from this episode and from your story? It's a thinker. <laughs> it is a thinker. Because, <laughs> you know, we all have every story that we come across. Yeah. Every movie we watch, every book we read, there's something. Yeah. There's that gold nugget. I think the thing that I want people to take away from this is there might be potential in someone that you never thought there was potential in. And whether that's someone who's incarcerated or someone who's homeless or um, if maybe it's one of the kids in your household, like they're just struggling and they're failing and you are struggling with how to help. But there is potential where we don't yet see it. And if we keep pressing, the tide will turn. I really believe the tide will turn. Fortitude. Yeah. 
party. Mm. All right. <laughs> With that said, it's been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm Ross Martinez, your host. My guest this week, Kira Kyle, uh, the prison program manager at the Five Ventures Hill in Illinois. You know where to get her. You know where to find her. Go check it out. Also, WTTW firsthand. Make sure you check that out. Without further ado, go check out all the other episodes, or I will personally call Santa Claus and tell him not to give you a gift this year. All right. I'm out. Bye.